Continuing our NL East farm system previews, we have a team that significantly improved the talent at the top of the farm system in the New York Mets. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. So looking at the New York Mets, at 75 and 87 last year, and safe to say that that season did not necessarily go the way that they expected it to go, right? They had incredibly high payroll, things did not work out in the season, and so you saw the New York Mets be very willing to pull the plug on the 2023 season, and more so than any other team, were able to use their financial resources to maximize the return that they got. And so some of the players in the top of these rankings, whether it's a Drew Gilbert, whether it's a Ryan Clifford, uh, Luis Angel Acuna, all of these guys came in some of these trades where uh, the Mets covered a significant portion of the salaries for a Justin Verlander, for a uh, Max Scherzer to get a better caliber prospect back. And so your top three, it's some combination, depending on, again, how you value proximity versus ceiling and all of that. It's some combination of Ronnie Mauricio, Jet Williams, and Luis Angel Acuna. And Ronnie Mauricio uh, looks like he's going to be an amazingly talented player. Probably probably at second base since shortstop is covered by Francisco Lindor, but going to be out for the season because he tore his ACL in rookie ball, or in in winter ball. Uh, Terrible shame that it happened. Hope he gets healthy soon so we can see him for the full season. But after him, you've got two other Really interesting guys, again, in Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna. So Jet Williams, to me, 5'6", 175, he's a short king, first rounder in 2022 out of high school, and got all the way to double A in his first full season in the minors. And there are some things that he does really well, and I think that he plays a little bigger than the listed size. So... 121 games between single A, high A, and double A. 263, 425, 451. 13 home runs, 43 extra base hits, 104 walks to 118 strikeouts, and 45 of 52 on stolen bases. And Baseball America in their write-up, one, they had him the number one prospect in the system, so over Mauricio. But they did a really good job of kind of explaining how significant that walk number was. So he played last season at the age of 19, and his 104 walks were the second most in the minors, and he was one of four players age 19 or younger to have at least 100 walks, which is just frankly impressive. But I kind of think like the best role for Jet Williams is a defensively versatile defender who's going to give you good on base, obviously good batting average, and I think he's going to be able to get to... I'm going to say above average power, even though everybody kind of has him at 50 or below. 
And I think a lot of it's being made, a lot of that weight on his power potential is being given to that size, 5'6", 175. He's not a big guy, right? But if you look at what he did under the hood last year, so one, incredibly patient, 12% chase rate, one of the best chase rates in the minors, just very good. You have to come into the zone to beat Jet Williams. His overall contact was 79%, and it's obviously in the high 80s in the zone. So the contact, the hit tool is there. It's probably a 60-grade hit tool, right? But from a power perspective, so we've talked about the MLB average for 90th percentile exit below is 103 and change, right? Jet Williams last year, again, at age 19, had a 102 mile an hour 90th percentile exit below. And we usually see prep players when they enter ML or enter professional baseball, you usually see three to six miles an hour of bat speed improvement. And then the question is, how much does that come into the exit velocity numbers? Because it's more than just how hard you swing the bat. Obviously, it's the quality of contact you get, things like that. Somebody who is at age 19 already sitting in the 102s, one mile an hour off of MLB average. I'd like to think, given how patient he is, given how good he is at getting quality contact, that Jet Williams can at least get to, I'm going to give him an above average future. And some of this is, granted, what does he do physically? How much weight can you put on that frame without hurting the rest of the tools? And the tools are really good. I think it's a 70-grade speed, and the arm is probably above average. And so... He's going to have a point where he has to decide how much stronger do I want to get at the expense of speed. But Jet Williams, 92 games of short last year, 21 at center, 8 at DH. The arm is above average to plus. He's still a little bit raw as a defender, but I think it's amazingly versatile. Again, shortstop, center field, he could probably play second if he needed them to. And I think the ceiling on Jet Williams is a little bit higher maybe than some other people do. And I think specifically it's because I have more faith in his ability to hit for power. Even if the exit velos don't get that much above 103 for the 90th percentile, I think his really good swing decisions and getting in optimal launch angles and things like that is going to be what's going to carry that power production into perhaps an above average kind of point. And so for Jet Williams, you end up in a scenario where it can be I think his ceiling can be something like 40 stolen bases, 20 home runs, while batting 280 with an on-base of close to 400. Like, that's your, it's obviously your peak outcome, right? But I think Jet Williams can do those kind of numbers, which is just amazing. And he's one of the few players that they did not go out and get via trade. They just drafted him and developed him into this. So, good move by the Mets there. The other top prospect, again, uh, Luis Angel Acuna, 2019 IFA. Yes, he's the younger brother of Ronald Acuna. No, he is not his brother. They are significantly different as far as players. So, 121 games in AA between the two organizations last year. 294, 359, 410. Nine homers, 39 extra base hits, 52 walks to 106 strikeouts, 57 of 67 on stolen bases. The difference... Like, the swings are really similar. The difference here between Acuna and his older brother is 
they both have a ton of contact. Acuna ran like a set, like a high 70s percentage on contact ability. And the home runs weren't a ton, nine home runs. I think his potential is 10 to 15, uh, but he doesn't hit with the power that his brother has. He does have the speed. You heard the stolen base numbers. It is legitimately a 60 grade arm. I think the defense is 60 grade. I think the speed, the defense, the arm, all 60 grade. He can play short. He can play second. He can play center field as well. So another versatile guy like Jet Williams who can move around all over the field. The issue is he has a significant problem compared to a guy like a Jet Williams or his brother or whatever with hitting way too many ground balls. If you see him in batting practice, the power is there, right? Like you can see it in batting practice. He's got the power, but he hits too many balls on the ground and he doesn't necessarily get the optimal quality of contact, even when it's not a ground ball. He's not getting the ideal contact. He's not catching the ball out in front and pulling the ball down the line to maximize the power that he has. But it's still, I'm going to give it probably an above average hit tool. And I think the power, I think the power could be average power. I think right now it's a little bit lower because it's not easy to switch, fix your launch angle. But the potential is really good. The player himself is really good. And again, defensively, he can play short. He can play second. He can play center. He did that some for the Rangers. A lot of options on where you go with him. But he's going to give you on base ability. He's going to give you a stolen base threat. He's going to give you good defense. And the whole question will be, where is the power ceiling and where do you play him? Knowing you can move him around multiple positions. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the other players you might see in 2024. Couple pitchers, couple guys that you may have gotten via trade. We'll talk about all these guys next, right here on Locked On MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to everybody who celebrates from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I personally love the Super Bowl and all of the prop bets that go around it. Everything from who's going to score first, what type of score is going to be first. Length of the National Anthem, color of the Gatorade, there's, there's game-related stuff, there's dumb stuff, but all of these prop bets are incredibly fun to listen to, to, to talk about, to bet on. And then there's plenty of them about the actual game on FanDuel, which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, all that kind of stuff. So new customers can join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. And the good thing is, FanDuel likes the Mets. So you look in here... Over-under is 82 and a half wins. So let's assume they come in 82 and 80, right there around the odds. It's really interesting to me because the fifth best odds, sixth best odds, sorry, in the National League to make the World Series is the New York Mets, plus 1,700, ahead of the Chicago Cubs, ahead of the Cincinnati Reds. It's just really interesting. It's like Dodgers, Braves, Phillies, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and Mets to make the World Series. So, visit FanDuel.com slash on to sign up today for your new account. Again, $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins on FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so looking at these players you might see in 2024, another acquisition last year at the trade deadline outfielder Drew Gilbert formerly of the Houston Astros now of obviously the Mets 
first rounder in 2022 out of Tennessee. Got 116 games between high A and double A. 289, 381, 487. 18 home runs, 47 extra base hits, 58 walks to 97 strikeouts, 12 of 17 on stolen bases. The thing here for Drew Gilbert is contact is really good despite the size. He's like 5'9". The power is at least average, if not a tick over that. Nothing is exceptional, but everything's just above average or so, right? So contact percentage last year of 76%. And the 90th percentile exit below, again, with 103 being average, is at 104 already. And so, and, and I think some of the reason the exit velo is so high from a guy that physically is not very big is, one, he's got that natural hitting ability that we've talked about so much that hitters are born, not made. He's got that hitting ability, and he has a really good approach. So when you watch Drew Gilbert take at-bats, he adjusts based on the count to optimize the results that he could possibly get, right? When you're earlier in the count, no strikes, maybe just one strike, whatever, you can be a little more willing to try to get out in front of a ball, pull it down the line for a home run, knowing that if you swing and miss, you've got more opportunities in the back half of the at-bat to still put the ball in play, still get on base, things like that. It reminds me, this is not a comp, but it reminds me of watching Cody Bellinger last year how Cody Bellinger would significantly change his approach with two strikes to prioritize getting the ball into play, giving his, his team an opportunity to run the bases, to advance a runner, whatever it might be. And that's what comes to mind when you watch Drew Gilbert take an at-bat. So the approach is really, really good. He's a good base runner going, despite the speed only necessarily being average, going first to third on a base hit, scoring from second on a base hit, things like that. Good at taking the extra base. Really instinctual base runner. And I think when you see the stolen base numbers, they're not huge, 12 to 17. But a lot of it comes down to knowing when to take off and when to go. Defensively, the arm is plus. The defense and speed, pro- like, sorry, the defense probably above average. And I think it depends on where you play him, right? You can play him in center field. He's going to be an above average center fielder. But if you move him to a corner, He's going to be probably a plus defender in the corner. And so you've got some flexibility there. Again, you can have him cover center field if you want to. You can kick him out to a corner. It's a profile that you may see depending on the health of Sterling Marte. You could see him as late as the end of 2024. Uh, There's a lot of potential here to like with Drew Gilbert. A couple pitchers that you may see this year. One more likely than the other. But right-hand pitcher Mike Vasile and right-hand pitcher Christian Scott. So Vasile was a... Eighth rounder in 2021 out of Virginia. 26 starts last year, and most of them were in AAA. Five and six with a 4.65 ERA and 124 innings. 138 strikeouts, so 10 per nine. 246 walks, 3.3 per nine. 18 home runs allowed. The thing for Mike Vasile is it's a fastball, cutter, curveball change combo. Four-pitch combo. You've got a lot of common directions and things like that covered. Fastball sits in the mid-90s, cutters, high 80s or so. It's a, it blends between a slider and a cutter. Uh, you've got a, the curveballs in the low 80s, change-ups in the mid-80s. Four different velocity bands covered. Most of your common directions here covered. The issue is he is predominantly fastball slider. He throws the fastball slider combo a lot. Uh, 
believe it was around like 80% or so, and then he mixes in the curveball one out of every 10 pitches, the changeup one out of every 10 pitches. And so there's the ability, because he's so comfortable with those two pitches, there's the ability to get him into a bullpen at the major league level earlier than maybe he's ready to start. The control is above average. He didn't walk a lot of guys until he got to AAA. I feel, we talked about this before, I feel like the AAA automated balls and strikes, anybody he throws four seamers up in the zone, really struggled with that last year. Not too worried about his his walk rate jumping in AAA. Happened to a lot of guys. But I feel like he's a useful piece as soon as early this season... It's kind of all based on major league needs and what you need to do. Christian Scott's an interesting one. Fifth rounder out of Florida in 2021. We've had those conversations about Florida not being able to develop their pitchers. They drafted Brandon Sprout twice, 23 and 22. And so I kind of feel like it's part of that and related to that. They feel like they can do a lot with this with those Florida guys. But 19 games between single A, high A, double A last year. Most of them double A. Five and four with a 2.57 ERA in 87 and two thirds innings. 107 strikeouts, so 11.9, 11 per nine, to 12 walks, 1.2 per nine, and five home runs allowed. Fastball, slider change, curveball. The fastball, mid-90s, you can touch 98 with it, I like that. Sliders in the mid-80s, change-ups kind of around the same area. The command's really good, and he sequences really well. The thing that's interesting when you watch Christian Scott is he's completely changed what he did from Florida. And again, we've had that conversation. Everydayers have heard this multiple times about Florida is just bad at pitching development. They're bad at all of that. And so if I ran a major league team, I would, whoever my scout was for Florida, I'd just buy them a house in Gainesville. Just let them live in Gainesville and scout all those pitchers in person, figure out what, what we can do with these guys. But I think because he's gotten really good with the sequencing and the command is there, he's an option for you, if provided he's healthy, I'm thinking down the stretch, late in 2024, get him some starts, let him see what he needs to work on at the major league level, and then in 25, he can have a chance to be in the rotation for a full year. You do want to kind of work work on workload a bit as well. Only 87 and two-thirds innings last year, so being mindful. Ideally, he's throwing something like 110, maybe 120. It's hard to imagine how a guy can contribute at the major league level from a starter's role if he hasn't even thrown 100 innings in the minors in any previous season. So, something to keep in mind there, but I like Christian Scott. And then another potential piece that you could see, another pitcher, third rounder in 2021 out of Dallas Baptist, Dominic Hamill, the righty. 26 games in AA, 25 of those were starts. Does have the innings, through 124 innings. 8-6 and six with a 3.85 ERA, 160 strikeouts, 11.6 per 9, 249 walks, like 3.6 per 9, and 12 home runs allowed. I really like the combos here of what he does. He's got a mid-90s fastball that is really good up in the zone. 20 inches of induced vertical break. And I wonder about, do you try to find a way to minimize his time in AAA because of the automated balls and strikes and how hard it is with the elevated fastballs in AAA? Because that fastball is his main weapon. Now, the vertical breaking curveball, he's got a, a slider, a cutter. He's got multiple pitches outside of that fastball, but the bread and butter is that fastball. And so do you find a way to get him major league innings, even bullpen starts, whatever, to keep him from having to spend too much time in AAA since so many guys struggle with throwing strikes up in the zone at AAA and then have to adjust when they get back to the major. So 
curious to see where Dominic Campbell starts 2024. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the lower level prospects to watch. There's a couple of them that struggle a little bit. We'll get to those next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Final segment of Locked MLB Prospects here on Friday, talking about the New York Mets. And a couple guys that, okay, one guy we got to talk about. One guy that has not necessarily lived up to his draft billing as of now. Catcher Kevin Parada, the first rounder in 2022 out of Georgia Tech. Uh, 105 games last year, started off in single A, ended in double A, right? 248, 324, 428. 14 home runs, 41 extra base hits. 36 walks to 128 strikeouts and one for three on stolen bases. Here's the issues for Kevin Prada. One, defensively, he is not good, which is weird because he came from Georgia Tech and that's kind of what they do. But he is, he has really struggled defensively in the minors. He had an 18% caught stealing. And I think Baseball America went as far as, as putting the number of stolen bases he allowed, it was like 129 in the like putting it in their write up. It was like a top five number in the minors for most stolen bases allowed. Uh, it's a combination of things, right? Like athletically, his like his lateral agility is fine, but the actual mechanics of playing the position it feels like what he struggles with. The arm isn't necessarily great from an arm strength perspective or from a mechanics of the pop time and everything, and so. Uh, it's he struggled to make things happen behind the plate, and you wonder how much of the defensive focus and struggles has bled over into the offense. When you watch the actual what he was doing last year, he aggressive at the plate, over 50% swing rate, but you combine that with a 65% contact. It's just, it's an issue where there is too much swing and miss in there for his power to adequately play. And you're in this really weird spot, right? Do you let him continue to struggle offensively because he's spending so much time trying to be a better catcher, which may or may not be a futile gesture? Do you move him to first base? You go ahead and say you're moving him to first base. You lower his trade value and you increase the pressure on the bat and the power production because the, just the bar is higher at first base. You're not really contributing defensively. Uh, there was a note in the Baseball America write-up about uh, rival scouts wanting him to try second base. Having seen him play, it feels like that's a bad idea. But if they want to go with that, the, the offensive bar would be lower at second base. The arm strength would be mitigated. The lateral movement would be helpful. It's just, you're in a really tough spot here, right? It's You've got to figure out which direction you want to go with Kevin Parada. Or you just hope that... After a year of that, that he got much better over the offseason is going to come in looking like a new player in 24. Outfitter Ryan Clifford, 11th rounder in 2022, really impressed with a lot of the stuff that I saw from Ryan Clifford. So 115 games in the lower minor, single A, double, single A and high A last year. 262, 374, 480. 24 homers, 44 extra base hits, 64 walks to 140 strikeouts, 5 of 7 on stolen bases. So I really think he's that close to being a guy. And there's some weird stuff in here. I don't know if he had some bad luck or what it may have been. The contact was like 75%, but he still struck out 28% of the time. It's just, it's a weird combination to have. 
it's something where I like the swing decisions. I like how good he is at recognizing pitches that are borderline. I feel like he can hit both velocity and good spin. And it's just, it's one of those really interesting kind of, I don't quite know what happened. It feels like it's some bad luck. There's probably because of the trade involved in there as well. But curious to see what he does this year. Defensively, the speed is not great at all. Now, he's still played a bunch of corner outfield, 29 games in right, 26 in left. But he also played 50 at first. And he's that guy, the arm is really good. And so if you move him to first, except for that rare scenario of, a runner on second and a ground ball to the first baseman and the runner goes to third, you kind of lose the ability to take advantage of that arm. But again, the speed's not great in the outfield. He does have, he can get it done. He's probably going to be fringe to average defensively if you leave him in a corner. It's all going to come back to the bat, right? The bat's got to be the carrying tool here. Uh, he's got to get, he, he's got to get that velocity into, or get that power into games and figure out what went wrong last year with that good contact percentage and yet the high strikeout numbers. You just got to kind of work that out, figure out what you can do there. A couple interesting guys we're going to have to get to kind of quickly. Uh, shortstop Colin Houck was the first rounder last year. Nine games in rookie ball, you don't really get a lot, of, a lot out of this. But I think the big thing here is he's above, it feels like he's above average in everything. Defensively, hit tool, power tool. Question's going to be, is what moves up to plus, right? And what regresses back to average. It's, you worry about young players as they gain in size, as they do the physical development. What's the speed going to do? So the big thing to watch in 2024, I assume he's going to go to single A for most of the year, but how much power can he hit for? What does his speed look like? Can he stick at shortstop or not? He played two games at third, one game at second, and then six at short when he did his nine games in rookie ball. So not quite sure if they just plugged him in where they could or if they're concerned about his ability to stick it short. But either way, something to watch for Colin Houck. Interesting player, though. And again, potential for everything to be above average here, which you love. Couple pitchers, Brandon Sprout, Blade Tidwell. SEC guys here. So Sprout was the second rounder in 23 out of Florida. Again, you don't love Florida's pitching development, so you like grabbing guys from there because they've got more growth. He didn't pitch after the draft. and. It's really interesting to kind of look at the combination of stuff that he has, right? So the two-seamer, upper 90s. He's touched 101 with it. It's got 15 inches of run. The changeup, high 80s, 16 or 17 inches of run, but also has some drop. They, they work well together as far as fooling hitters a lot. Playing off of that, he's got a mid-80s slider with some two-plane break. He's got a curveball in the low 80s. So he's got... Four different velocity bands in there. It's going to be a question of what do they change his stuff to when he gets into the full-time season. Because Christian Scott, same kind of thing. He was like a, he was a sinker guy at Florida. And they said, nope, we're going to give you four-seamer. And it's a really good four-seamer. So what do the Mets do with Brandon Sprout's arsenal? Blade Tidwell, second rounder in 2022 out of Tennessee. 25 starts between high A and double A. Uh, 11 and 6, 357 ERA in 116 innings, 153 strikeouts, almost 12 per nine, 263 walks, 4.9 per nine. And that's kind of the issue. He threw 61% strikes last year and was a little bit streaky. Had showed in stretches that he was almost unstoppable 
and then had multiple outings where he got tagged for five or six or seven runs or things like that. And there's a stretch. The reason that you like him, okay, is one, the tools are good. Uh, Mid-90s fastball can touch 99, sweeper in the mid-80s, change up in the low 80s, curveball in the high 70s. But from May 17th through August 9th, which is mostly high A, two games in double A at the end of that, he had an absurd stretch, okay? 14 games, he went 9-1 and one with a 1-9-2 ERA, 94 strikeouts in 75 innings. Like, unstoppable. Now, bookending that, before that streak started, he gave up seven runs in one and two-thirds innings to Wilmington. And then at the end of that streak, he gave up six runs in three and two-thirds innings to Portland. So it's a little streaky, right? But when he's on. So throw some more strikes, and let's see if we can get this into a double-A to triple-A arm who is more consistently around the zone and hopefully can get some time at the end of the season after the trade deadline to have him set up for a full season in 2025. Ideally, 145 or so innings this year so that you could see him as a full-time starter in 25 if you want to. Quick on the dart throw, right-hand pitcher Jawander Suarez. Another guy, Tidwell, that figured some stuff out late, right? So the overall stats... ERA of 4.24 between double between high A and double A, 11.4 on strikeouts to 4.1 per nine on the walks. But from July 8th through the end of the season, 11 starts, 61 innings, a 1.92 ERA with only 14 walks to 79 strikeouts, 67% strike percentage, and that's the thing. Mid 90s fastball, sweeper, curveball, change. You've got four directions four velocity bands, have all of the tools. If something clicked in the back half there and he figured out what to do, he's going to shoot through the system incredibly quickly and could debut as soon as this year. So let's see what he does in 2024. Watch for Jawander Suarez. Fantastic week this week. One more show uh, on Saturday, the Atlanta Braves. Reminder, if there's somebody you wanted to hear about in this system, plenty of guys we didn't get to, Alex Ramirez. Uh, let me know. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Uh, we can put it in the Monday mailbag. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.